You've reached The Intuitor, where we use celebrity scandal as a vehicle for deep inner work. Join me, Onami, for all the taboo teachings, spiritual secrets, and celebrity gossip you can't help but love. The sizzle is so real, only on The Intuitor. Welcome to the Intuitor. And today we're talking about the fact that Ye just cannot learn. And Ariana Grande's complete botch job at trying to regain the media's trust. This episode's going to be hot because I know a lot about trust and how important trust is for fan celebrity relationships, and what you can do to repair lost trust. And spoiler alert, Ariana's not doing it. So today's broadcast is brought to you by My School Safe House, where we literally just finished doing the second lesson of Fuckless. And I love teaching live workshops. There's not very many that I'm teaching live this year, but Fuckless is one of them. And I love it because it always pushes me to do stuff that I didn't think that I was ready for. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a little break before we launch out Wheels Reinvented. My signature method for removing childhood trauma um, is now in book form and it's going to be out in April, meaning I'm launching it, getting the launch ready throughout the month of March. So Fuckless is now pushing me to do something before I'm ready. And I think that that's amazing. But Wheels Reinvented, Fuckless, The Ritual, Autoerotic Wealth, every single workshop, Mesoterica, School of Unified Spiritual Laws, Empress Academy, plus Q&A, all of these things are in my school. And you can become a student at my school with me as your guidance counselor, keeping an eye on you every single step of the way. Not AI, not robot, not my husband, me, literally me taking stock of where you are, giving you the exact right curriculum to work on at this moment, and then touching base with you every time you're wrapping something up and starting on something new. This is only available at my school safe house and you can become a student at mommyonami.com forward slash safe house. So how is everybody doing today? I haven't been here in a minute. Well, I missed last week because the Q&A for Fuckless took a full 90 minutes and we were playing um, elephant in the room where I was looking at people's social media and seeing what the like blazing elephant in the room is. And I'm also really excited to see what you guys have been talking about. What's the hot goss with you this week? I'm definitely excited to uh, hear what you guys have been thinking about. Uh, but for me, what's come up moment in time is Ariana Grande going on her friend's podcast. Now, look, I don't have anything against Ariana Grande. I literally talked about her on Fuckless today about how she was such a good example for creating good fan base relationships. But this was back in like 2016. Um, but Ariana Grande went on her friend's podcast. So like not even a dig and just completely like sharded all over the place. She was wearing the worst outfit I've ever seen on her period. 
Um, and she was talking, but not talking about her and Ethan Slater's relationship and being like, well, why does everybody care? You know, like, why does everybody care? And I think it's really strange when celebrities do this thing where they're like, give me attention, give me attention, give me attention so I can be famous. And then be like, why are you guys paying attention to me? Like, ew, get a life. And like, shaming the people that got them famous in the first place. It's like, you didn't want people to get a life when you were like a Disney star, you know? So you can't do this thing of like, this is what fame is. Why do people care? Because you're famous, because you're famous. And we live in a culture that likes famous people, you know, people that represent like, wow, if you dream big, you could have all of these things if you just keep trying. But when you are in the public eye, you're going to be subject to scrutiny. And that's just the bottom fucking line. Now, somebody had submitted to Dumois a blind, like, or not a blind, they called in left and left on the voicemail. And was like, did you hear that Ethan Slater's wife went on the record and said that there was no infidelity in the marriage? And aren't you guys happy that Ariana Grande seems to be doing so well? It's like, obviously, like an Arianator calling in and trying to like change the narrative. And on Dumas, they were like, look, like we have never seen anywhere on the record that Ethan Slater's wife said that there was an infidelity in the marriage. She's gone on record and said that there was infidelity in the marriage. And so let's not try to like make this narrative go away and that little plant on Dumois happened right before she went on her friend's podcast but the thing is is like Ariana Grande's whole thing was like being a girl being a girl's girl you know and being like me and my bitches and you know we're all friends and empowered female sexuality etc cetera, etc cetera. and everybody was fine with that they're like yes you know Ariana we love this but then she in the fucking snakiest way in the snakiest way, starts fucking her co-star, which is super unprofessional. Everybody's doing it, but super unprofessional to make a whole meal out of it. You know, don't go and ruin somebody's whole home life and be that person because it's super damaging for your career. And if you're going to do it, you need to know how to rebuild the trust in that audience. And I haven't actually ever seen it go this badly with a celebrity, this like home, because even Elizabeth Taylor, Elizabeth Taylor, like leaned into the home record vibe, you know, it didn't bother she like fully owned her nine marriages I think it was she fully owned it Ariana's not owning it she's getting defensive about it like we have a problem she's like in her lyrics she's like why do you care whose dick I ride it's like we don't care Ariana we literally don't care whose dick you ride what we do care about is people that have been together for a really long time, people who you know, the husband and the wife, inviting you into their home, playing with their baby, and you're secretly fucking the husband behind closed doors. And she's doing this thing where it's like, look, technically it's fine. Bitch, we thought that you were an honor type of girl like we just thought you were like about honor because technically technically we're on a break technically this your fucking morals none of us care about that 
And don't try and make it seem like the whole other world, like the rest of the world has a problem and that you're just living your life and that you're just doing the right thing. Like you did something super fucked up. This is something that we all agree is super fucked up. And nobody cares if they were having marital problems and nobody cares about how you guys met. And really nobody cares how in love the two of you are. Because now she's got to stay in this relationship for long enough to make it seem like it was worth it. Like it wasn't just a thank you next situation where she's destroying somebody's whole marriage just to hook up with somebody for six months and then be over it. So now she's in this really shitty position with it as well. But you can't like, she was on this podcast, just giving all these words like, and misunderstood and people that don't know anything about me, just making these judgments about who it is and what we're in love. And like, why do people care? And just like, blah, 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 bullshit. Like we need to say exactly what happened here. And if she could be straight up about it and be like, listen, I fell in love with this guy. He was married and he said that things were complicated and I don't know, blinders on, I'm in love, I'm super in love and that's just what it is. That's literally, that's what Woody Allen did. That's what Woody Allen did when he started fucking his stepdaughter, his like 16 year old stepdaughter. That's a pretty hard thing to come back from yet he stayed in Hollywood the whole time and they're actually still together. But he literally just said, look, the heart wants what the heart wants. And that's just that. And that's how I'm going to explain it. He didn't apologize for it. He didn't call anybody crazy for the scrutiny. He faced it head on. He was like, yeah, I know that people think this is nuts, but this is what I'm into. And this is the relationship that I want to be in, you know, and this is who I'm in love with. So suck it world. This is who I'm in love. But he didn't try to be like, everybody's got this. Why can't people just stay out of my business? People can't stay out of your fucking business because you're famous, Ariana Grande. That's what being famous is. And so you can't like pick and choose like, oh, and I really, you you can't start fucking your co-star not secretly getting caught being fucking conspicuous and want everybody to ignore that because you acquired this new guy in a very shady way. And that his ex-wife, I don't know what her name is, Lily Allen, Lily John or something like that. She had every fucking right to do exactly what she did tastefully. She hasn't dragged it out in the press. She's just like, Ariana Grande is not a girl's girl. Completely accurate assessment. She called out the elephant in the room without being hateful, without being shitty, without dragging them in the press. But it's just, here's the bottom line. If you are coming to my house that I share with my husband of 10 years and holding our new baby and you're fucking him behind my back, you are not a girl's girl because no girl's girl would ever do this whether they were on the break or not. You fucked up. So now Ariana Grande is just trying to like make the whole thing go away. And this is the first time that she's done any kind of press. This is the first time she's done any kind of press since this whole thing started. And she just completely shit the bed on it. And she's like, yeah, I don't understand what anyone's doing. So I want to tell you guys something fundamental about trust. This is something fundamental about trust. I learned this in a book called The Speed of Trust, which is written by something, something Kobe, who is the son, the son of the guy who wrote the seven habits of highly effective people. It's like this landmark, you know, personal development book. 
His son, who has been running that estate and growing that company and everything like that for a very long time, his son wrote one book and only one book, and that book is called The Speed of Trust. And in The Speed of Trust, they say that you cannot talk your way out of a problem that you behaved your way into. Ariana Grande behaved her way into this problem. She didn't tell any of us she was going out with Ethan Slater. She didn't tell any of us that she was having an affair behind a, you know, behind a, a with a married man behind his wife's back. She didn't say any of this. If she had said any of this, then maybe she could talk her way out of that problem like she's trying to now. But she behaved her way into this. Contrary to her marriage and the things that she's saying on social media about the happy relationship that she's in with her normie boyfriend, et cetera, et cetera, Dalton, strange name. Um, but I did have a masseuse named Dalton who I really enjoyed. I used to imagine that he was a cabana boy and I was Donatella Versace and he was giving me massages by the pool. Very erotic. If you're not getting your erotic money's worth mentally out of a massage, you're missing out. <laughs> Anyways, she behaved her, no one knows what's going on in your mind. It's okay. Um, but she behaved her way into that problem. Fair and square. She behaved her way into that. She was saying one thing with her words and she was doing another. And now she's dealing with a major lack of trust with her audience and with her fan base because they're saying, hey, your words say that you're a girl's girl, but your behavior is doing this fucking sketchy thing. So now we don't trust you anymore. And trust was what was upholding our whole relationship. It's why we bought your cosmetics. It's why we cared about your music. It's why we felt like you were on our side and why we were super fans for you because we trusted you. Now you fucked up the trust that we had in you. Now you're going on a podcast. So you release this song at the completely wrong time. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going to make a comment on this. First of all, you look like you're dying of an eating disorder. And this was something else. You know, we have this clear trust where you're saying, look, you guys, I was super unhealthy when I'm bigger and I'm super healthy now. Girl, your skin and fucking bones, that weird ass red outfit, intuitor speaking, I don't have to be spiritual, that weird ass red outfit that you were wearing on your friend's podcast where even with the setup of a friend, you could not get a decent fucking answer out. That thing was hanging off of you. I cannot believe that anyone that's responsible for dressing you put that outfit on you because it literally like looked very bad looked like it was about six sizes too big for you and I think that everything is probably six sizes too big for you and it's like nobody made comments on my body <laughs> whatever you liked everybody making comments on your body until you fucking dropped a shit ton of weight and and where you literally look super unhealthy now and also this is called being famous this is just what people do Lana Del Rey's never told people to stop making comments about her body. She's like, I don't care if people make comments about my body. I literally don't care what they say. Doesn't matter to me. But not like, oh my God, talk about me when it works for you. Don't talk. This is not what being famous is. Hello. So first of all, Ariana Grande, you look sick. 
and you came on and we're like, I'm going to be honest. It's like, I think that we all need to be more gentle with each other. And honestly, the way that you guys liked my body looking, meanwhile, she's like shivering like a fucking baby chihuahua in her enormous weird sweater. It's like, look, some of us have had eating disorders and know what it's like to be shivering cold in the middle of summer wearing baggy clothes to fucking hide the fact that we stopped eating a really long time ago. And it's like that's not a healthy look, but she didn't address that. And she's like, I'm going to talk my way out of this. And here's what I'm going to say is that when I was at a weight that was proportional to my size, something that was consistent about me for like basically my whole life that I was on camera, I was really unhappy and really unhealthy then, but I promise I'm really healthy now. And I just think that you guys need to like, leave me alone a little bit more because now I'm famous and I'm forgetting what it actually took me to become famous. And now I think that I can disrespect everybody and completely obliterate the trust that we had. And I just really think that you guys have the problem. I think that you guys have the problem. Why can't you stop looking at me? I'm famous. This is what being famous is. Wake the fuck up, Ariana Grande. This is weird. Now obliterated the trust there it's fine then she's like i'm gonna release this fucking summertime bop in the middle of winter which is the worst time for releasing a song like that which is like a fabulous gay anthem could even possibly be a good song but this whole thing defensive of i'm not gonna say sorry and everybody let's build the trust are you being bullied if you're being bullied like me let's sing this song together ariana you fucked up you fucked up and you won't talk about it. Now you're getting defensive. I don't know how your people are letting you get away with this. You're like releasing fragrances that are tanking. Your beauty line is dropped by Sephora or Ulta. You, you fucked something up here. And it's the trust. You fucked the trust. And now you think that you, oh, you know, say it with your chest. No, no, you don't fucking have a chest. You don't have a fucking chest anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and none of this word salad and stuff that you take everybody join with me fuck what people say about us well they kind of have a point ariana grande they kind of have a point are we not going to talk about this we're not going to talk okay so we're just not going to talk about this and you want us all to like love you and love your very weird new boyfriend and it looks like you guys are both huffing fucking dust off under somebody's bed and going out once a week for like more dust off guys look very fucking sketchy and are not talking about this elephant in the room whatsoever and your movie glinda is really going to be where we see how much popularity was actually lost because if i was the directors of this of this movie I'd be like, this fucking sucks because people are going to boycott it because they just don't care. Casting Ariana Grande was like this big thing because they're like, yes, all the Ariana Grande fans are going to come out and watch this movie. Now, in the making of this fucking movie or on Broadway or whatever, she completely ruins her reputation, which cuts into the sales of that. Like, you can't, that fucking sucks. And she's like always being seen with her co-star. If I was her co-star, I'd be like, girl, I would definitely stop hanging out with Ariana Grande, like immediately until she fixes up her reputation because you don't want to be lumped into this mess. She's made a really big mess, lost a lot of trust. It's not going well. Look at the track record so far. It's not turning around. It's not going well. You can't just talk your way. You can't talk your way out of it and then insult people and be like, why can you people not move on? We can't move on because let's say that your husband cheated on you. Imagine this, Ariana Grande. Let's say that your husband cheated on you. 
And he just wanted to keep coming and be like, yeah, but can we still hang out? I don't understand. We've known each other for so long. Can't we just keep hanging out? No, we can't because you did something that made me not want to hang out with you anymore. You shat the bed and you never said sorry and you never addressed it. And you're saying, but we have all this history together. Can't we just move on? No, can't fucking move on until you address the fact that you fucked something up because we lost trust. And now we have to rebuild the trust. Now, the only way you can rebuild trust is to behave your way back into people's good graces. Behave your way. So you can't get on that podcast and talk your way into it. You can't release songs saying, I'm not talking about this and you have a problem if you want to hear about it at all. This is doing the opposite of helping you period, in such a rush to get that single out that you drop it at the complete wrong time to basically tell everybody how not sorry you are. This is not working, Ariana Grande. This is not working. You've lost trust with your audience. So what it's going to take is a really big shift in behavior. And you see this in PR all the times, you know, when like, for example, when Lindsay Lohan got all of her DUIs and stuff, the next thing she's photographed doing is, is doing charity and going to like other parts of the world and doing charity because you need to demonstrate behavior that says I'm changing my ways. You can't just put out a statement. You can't just use different words because the words isn't what got you into the breach of trust, the, the behavior did. So you can't talk your way out of a problem that you behaved your way into. You have to behave your way out of it. And the first thing that you have to do is make it right. If you cannot talk to the wife, if she doesn't ever want to speak to you again, I think that's well within her. I think that's totally in bounds for her. You fucked it to death. So done. Um, something that, you know, I'm sure she doesn't, if she, what I would recommend if I was Ariana Grande is like at when when the, the sooner you can get rid of this guy, the better. Don't hold on because you think that if you guys are together for 10 years that people will forget, you know, how you met or maybe it really was the real deal. You know, as soon as you're over it, move, move on, because I think that that would probably be the best step. Do I think it's love? Absolutely not. I think that Ariana Grande as I it takes one to know one, but I just think that she is so out of touch with who she really is that whenever the person that she's with, that when she gets bored of performing for them being, you know, I don't lick other people's donuts. I don't hate a grand percentage of the world. You know, I don't have problems when she's done upholding that fake personality she can do it for a new person. She can do it for a new person. That's not, you know, that doesn't see the cracks in the fucking armor yet. But when somebody starts to get to know her, she just has to get rid of them as soon as possible. So I feel like she might even be over it already. Intuitor speaking, um, I feel like she might be over it already because it was so much drama and all of this caused serious problems in both of their careers. It didn't help. Maybe him a little bit because he was such a fucking bottom feeder as it was. Um, but... Yeah, I'm really looking the part, but it definitely didn't help her career at all. So I, what I would recommend to Ariana Grande is like, as soon as you are over this guy, immediately drop him because that behavior. And then what I would do is start talking a lot about how you're going to therapy, how you're not just going to crawl in bed with somebody else about how you're going to get to the bottom of love addictions or learning how to be single for the first time in your whole entire life. I would do a lot of behavior, women's 
charities. You have to behave your way differently. And spoil alert, spoil alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It takes a long time to repair trust. And if you don't want to put in those hours, you obviously never fucking loved this person enough. So if this person is your fan base and you don't want to put in the hours to repair your trust with them, then you never actually cared about them at all. And if you never actually cared about your fan base, you will lose your fan base. You will lose your fan base. You'll have a couple, you know, random people that are happy to run into you when you're walking around naked on Hollywood Boulevard, but will post pictures of you at your lowest moment on their stories. So not really people that would help your career, not the type of people that would take a bullet for you whatsoever. You have to take care of your fans. You have to take it. And when you are dealing with the massive loss of trust that she has, if you want to fix it, it's going to take time and you better really want to do it. You can always just say, fuck this. I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to hold on. You know, why do you care whose dick I ride? No one has ever cared, Ariana. What we care about is, is our parasocial relationship. I thought you were a girl's girl. I thought we agreed. You know, I thought we had similar belief systems. You know, I thought that there was some kind of code. And I realized that, you know, yet like you're telling me all the time that as a fan, I'm so crazy to care about you. Sorry, I just thought that that's what fucking being a fan was. You used to care about your fans a lot. Now it's like, I care about my very cancer though. This is very cancer. You know what? Good time to talk about the astrology of it because she's a cancer. Cancer is very, very sexual, but also cancer is down to talk about whatever, whatever, unless it's something they don't want to talk about. And if it's something they don't want to fucking talk about, first of all, they'll lie like crazy. They'll just lie like crazy right to your face. No problem. They won't even think they're fucking lying, but you'll get the claws. You'll get the scurrying away. If they don't want to fucking talk about it, they won't fucking talk about it. Mama, you're talking to Ariana without talking in consideration of the fact that she is a woman. Women's nature went over free will. Come on. I don't really understand what that means. Doja Cat did a good fuck my fans. She did not. Yeah. And that was something I didn't know if Doja Cat was going to be able to come back from that. But you know what the thing is, is that that's very on brand for Doja Cat. Like Doja Cat's always been that way. You know, Doja Cat loves her fans, hates her fans, but she doesn't hesitate to like fucking call people out. You know, she doesn't hesitate to call people out. And also Doja Cat's new album was so fucking sick. And Ariana Grande's new bop is not actually that sick. Like you could hate Doja Cat all you wanted, but when fucking paint the town red came out it was like okay sorry and i'm like oh, all all bets are off all bets are off um but you have to and so this is something that i really want you to think about because everybody that's in the public eye at all is going to go through these phases of having um you know sometimes loss of trust so for example let's say that you talked a big game with one of your products you talked a big game with one of your products and it actually wasn't that good. And people, you know, there are high refund rate or complaints or something like that. You have to face it head on. You have to face it head on. It's not going to go away. Nothing dies on the internet. You have to face it head on. You have to face the allegations. You have to be like, yes, I'm aware of what is going on. I'm aware that someone said that I wasn't a girl's girl. And I'm aware that this behavior seems super sus. I'm aware of it. You have to, you can't, they, and the second you do it, it'll start to feel better. Yeah, it's great. You know, yeah, it's, it feels crazy and it feels hard, but it is so much fucking better to face it head on than it is to 
just sit on it and make it go away. Like think about Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. Justin Timberlake is depressing, depressing. And now I feel like just could by proxy is also depressing, but you know, good for them for staying in their marriage, even though he cheats on her all the time, uh, allegedly, but the pictures do say a lot. Why are you holding hands with your fucking co-star eating El Fresco on the set of your movie? Fucking creep. You're Justin Timberlake. It's not Justin Timberlake. You're Justin Timberlake. You know, kind of, kind of cringe. But Justin Timberlake was like, I'm not going to talk about the Britney book. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. blah, blah, blah. We all just hope me and Jess just hope she's doing well, yada, yada, yada. And then he sits on it for so long until he comes out way later and says, I'm going to apologize for absolutely fucking nothing. It's like, bro, like, then why not just say that at the beginning? You know, if that's really how you felt this whole time, why not just fucking say it at the beginning? But now, you know, and actually that made me like him a little bit because I think it's cool that, you know, in, in a time of so much public apologizing, you know, but facing it head on, facing it head on and sticking to it, the sooner you can do that, the better, whatever your stance is going to be, face it head on, but don't pretend like it's not happening. Ariana Grande was way late to the game with her single, which was then just being fucking defensive about it. And honestly, like, even if Justin Timberlake would be like, look, like, I'm not apologizing because we're all young. We did fucking crazy shit when we're young. That's a thing. That's a thing that we do when we're young, period. Like, that's facing it head on. And then people can move on from that because you've released a statement. But when you're just hoping that it's going to go away, like it's not going to go away. I had a whole lot of lot, lot, like I've had to address the loss of trust in my own company a lot because, and it was something I was scared to talk about at first, but being willing to say I was wrong, like in 2020, I was wrong. I was straight up wrong. And when you start telling your story, you realize that you were doing the best that you could in that moment. For example, in 2020, I felt like all, I, I felt like I had so many people looking at me as a teacher to be like, hey, what's going on here? And because I didn't feel comfortable being like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how I feel about any, any of this. I felt like I really needed to get to the bottom of the uncontrollable situation and release a statement to my followers being like, this is what's going on. So I couldn't say, you know, I don't know what's going on here. So I went fucking digging and went down the fucking hole of doomsday propaganda and all of that conditioning and rushing back to the surface. And I very publicly denounced that era of my life all the time, all the time. Yeah, I learned a lot, but I was straight up wrong. I was psyop to the fullest extent of the law. And I will never underestimate the, the conditioning of your, like th that religious conditioning, I'll never underestimate the power of that again, because I'm living proof of it. And the interesting thing is like, once I admitted that and got to the bottom of it, that really secured me and what I help people with now, which is leaving the exoteric or the place where you can be manipulated by religious conditioning and to the mesoteric. So now that I have that story because of something that I've faced head on, that's not something where I'm like, oh, don't talk about that era of my life. We can talk about any fucking era of my life. I don't care. Let's do it. Let's break the story. I don't fucking care. Ask me anything. I don't care. I'll give you the total truth in this moment always. But you can't just pray that it goes away. You can't block and delete and, and pray that it goes away. It doesn't go away like that. And then you have to change your behavior. You have to behave your way out of a problem that you behave your way into. And there's just no way around that. 
the rapid speech, the topical subject matter is not what I was expecting. Well, let me take your plate back to the kitchen and we'll switch it for something else. How do you feel about the more mainstream doomsday preppers? Mainstream or not mainstream? You know, people always act like it's no big deal to be creating a food storage and they don't talk about what's going on underneath that psychology of, and, and, and it's masquerading as worry. Like, you know, I just worry about the people that are not creating a food storage because if something goes down and there's like apocalyptic chaos in the street, like, I can't share my stuff with you because you're not one of, you know, the wise virgins in the Bible that prepared for something like this. And, and you and your family are going to starve in a really horrible way because you didn't make the same choices that I did. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for you because of that. And it's like, this is what you're fucking fantasizing about. You know, you're not fantasizing about your family sitting at the table feasting on your freeze dried fucking tomatoes. You're fantasizing about other people starving and this us and them. And some people feel like they could only really be as strong as they know they could be if there was some kind of natural disaster or some kind of emergency or some kind of doomsday. But it's all this fantasy, not about your personal heaven, but about their hell. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm just worried about them. It's like, no, you think you're fucking better than them. You have a fucking superiority complex. And you know, what's the craziest thing about a superiority complex is that there is no such thing as a superiority complex. There is only an inferiority complex trying to make itself feel better about how inferior it feels to the rest of the world. And there are all of these people that just feel like outliers, you know, they feel like outliers to society because they think different and they do different and they haven't reached a level of authenticity where they can be their full selves with anybody. I think different and do different than everybody, but I can hang out with anybody. There's no divide. I don't assume that people are too stupid to handle the real me. Whether you're the mom at the park yesterday, someone online, my Uber driver, you're going to get the same me anywhere we go. There's this trend on social media right now that's like social media is not real. So here's some facts about me. I don't have anything to post on something like that because I'm always real on my social media. Like anything that's going on with me, like you guys hear about whether I want to fucking talk about it or not, because I am authentic, but also a motor mouth. So whatever is going on in here is coming out of my mouth right here. And that's why I'm getting recognition. And that's why I'm getting fame is because I'm not afraid that if somebody put a mic in front of my face for two hours, that I would say something that could get me canceled. I know who I am. I'm not afraid of who I am. I'm real and I'm honest. But these people that are doomsday preppers haven't reached that level of authenticity yet. So they're mad at the world for making them feel in fear. They're like, well, you're all too stupid to handle me. No, that's a you problem. That is 110% a you problem. But how you are trying to make yourself feel better is like, well, you'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. Fine. I'm an outsider, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to teach my kids how to grow food. And I'm going to create a meal pantry, even though, you know, it's all going to go bad in three years. I'm just going to throw it all away anyways, because no one in my family wants to sit down and eat fucking rehydrated spaghetti bolognese that I made fucking six months ago when I was certain the world was going to end. But that's how, that's how you're making, that's how that inferiority complex 
masquerades as a superiority complex. And every time you're filming yourself zipping these pre-prepped meals with their little Ziploc bags, you're not thinking about how safe your children are going to be. You're fantasizing about that girl that judged you on social media, starving with her kids. And the reason why you think this way is because of religious conditioning. Is because of religious conditioning. You ever think it's weird that you're not Christian, that you're you're not Christian? Sometimes, you know, when it's an emergency, like you can't find your car keys, you find yourself praying to Jesus, but you're not really, you know, you've never been an all the way Christian, yet you're celebrating fucking doomsday as if your life depends on it. You don't think that's weird? You don't think that's weird? That you're preparing for like the end times? You don't think that's weird? That you're celebrating like the least convenient part of Christianity? from the book of revelations the book of revelations is one massive acid trip and if you were to look at the parts of revelations that are written in red or you know coming directly from god there's like two verses and they don't say anything about and you don't think it's weird that in revelation is the clear acid trip anybody that's ever done psychedelics knows how you can be like and then there was a dragon that was eating the woman that went up to the mountains and then I was in the temple and the temple's walls had 12 layers of stone. There was Jasper, there was Opal, there was Quartz, there was this. And then I heard a voice out of the abyss. It's like, yeah, you're tripping. <laughs> yeah, you're tripping. <laughs> Are you off your meds? Hell yeah. Well, I've never been on meds in the first place. I kind of believe in like, if you if you haven't been tested, you don't have it. If you haven't been tested, you don't have it. You guys want to hear something I wasn't really ready to talk about? You guys want to hear something I wasn't really ready to talk about? I kind of refuse to get my son. Uh, well, so I just found out recently that it's really hard to get diagnosed for autism. Like it's super. So basically everybody that identifies as autistic is like self-diagnosed. Um, but a video came up the other day of like how to deal with something called PDA autism, which PDA means that like anytime you make a demand of somebody, they like freak out. And my son is literally this. You can't tell my son fucking anything. <laughs> you can't tell him anything. He shuts down, gets mad, like gets very mad when you tell him to do anything. And so this video on PDA autism came up that says like, I forget what it's called, pathological demand autism, where you just like freak out if someone makes a demand of you. Like if somebody is washing the dishes and you say, oh, cool, can you help me finish the dishes? It's like, because you asked no, and fuck you for asking. <laughs> That's literally how my fucking five-year-old is. You're crazy. <laughs> but this thing showed me a really cool hack where it's like, instead of, and the, the lady didn't say this, but it's what I took from it. Instead of saying, hey, can you pick that shirt up off the floor for me? You just say, oh, look, there's a shirt on the floor. I don't know what to do about that. And then they go do it. And I'm really into just making things super simple. Like, let's imagine that the world is filled with two kinds of people. There's doms and subs. Let's use kink. Because anytime I have a problem with my kids, my kink community is always like, that's a dominance thing. That's a submissive thing. You know, very, they have no problem calling it, you know? So, but I, you know, and I've been told by people, oh, it could never be that simple, but I love, you know, let's play Let's play drink coffee and generalize. Let's just make some sweeping generalizations here. Um, let's imagine that there's just doms and subs and that dominance love control and secretly crave surrender. And that submissives love surrender and secretly crave control. It's a yin yang, you know, dom in the seat streets, sub in the sheets and vice versa. So somebody that is obsessed with control that is very dominant can't stand getting an order from somebody else. Can you pick that up off the floor? 
because like, no, I don't want to do it because I want to be the boss. But if you let it be a problem that they can solve, where you're like, oh, look, there is a shirt on the floor and I don't know what to do about it. Then they just do it for themselves. And I was surprised at how quickly this worked with my son. Like, man, before I knew it, he was like folding all the laundry for me, fucking making dinner for me, all these things. And usually I just can't tell him to do anything. So I said, oh shit, my son's probably autistic. But everybody, like, I feel like autistic has just become synonymous with, with person. Cause I just don't know anybody that's neurotypical. Like I literally, I don't even know one person that is neurotypical. I'm definitely not. I don't like being told what to do whatsoever. Um, so I called my mom because my mom is kind of like a diagnosis junkie. And uh, my brother is in jail right now um, for things related to mental illness. And it's really sad and it sucks, but I, he's the youngest in the family. And my mom really wanted to do like a good job with him. And so took him to every therapy, every type of diagnosis and things have literally just gone from bad to worse in his life. Like, and where to now he's like literally in jail and like mental hospital jail, um, for, you know, some violence and just bad to worse. And I honestly, like once the meds started coming into play, he just became completely unmanageable, you know, like he just completely, there, there was no through line. There was no, nothing that no behavior that could be expected. And the whole time, you know, I've been like, look, like he had a fucked up life. And if we could just kind of go through, but you can't help your family. So unfortunately, nothing that I know about mental illness is, is wanted by anybody else in my family. And that's just, you know, part of part of being a teacher. Jesus says a prophet is without honor only in his hometown, meaning like Jesus couldn't do miracles in front of his family because it just doesn't, they don't, they don't see you. They don't see you in that way. And it's because of that, that I care so much about work that I do and like wheels reinvented and stuff. But, you know, after seeing the thing, I was like, damn. So I called my mom, you know, and I was like, you know, do you ever, do you ever regret getting him, you know, all of the, sending him to so many therapists, getting him on so many meds, getting a diagnosis? Like, do you feel like things would be better if he didn't get a diagnosis at all? And uh, <laughs> my mom gave me kind of a strange answer. That's a little bit TMI. So I'm, I'm not going to share it here, but she was, she was like, no. So I was wondering, I was, I remembered that Albert, not Albert, Albert Einstein, but Thomas Edison was sent home from school because his teacher with a note that said, you know, this kid is addled, which is, you know, what they would call retarded uh, in, you know, earlier days. And, and now they would have different words for it. But the teacher basically said, you know, the rudest thing that you could say about a kid at that time, that's the equivalent, that word back then, and said, you know, your son is adult, you need to teach him at home. And that sent the teacher, this story always makes me cry, but sent Thomas Edison, who invented the light bulb, to, to bring that note to his mom and not to read it. And so he opened, up, she opened it up and said, Oh my God, son, the teacher says that you're a genius and that they don't have any teachers in school that are up to snuff and that I have to teach you at home. So I'm going to do the best job that I can. And it was only after he, after she died that he found that note in her stuff. So she had a child that she raised as a genius. And I feel like every child should be raised as a genius. And the problem that I have with this conversation about autism is that I see videos about autism basically every single day. 
And none of these videos about autism say, because I'm autistic, I can do this. They're all saying, because I'm autistic, I cannot do this. And here's my list of like special things that I need. But there's nothing talking about the fact that the majority of people that are autistic are super smart. And if you were to raise these kids with the label of geniuses and not autistic, they would probably reinvent the whole world in a positive way. And there are so many traits that autistic kids have, including, you know, wanting to be by themselves, repeating a task over and over again until it's perfect, having an engineering mind that take things apart and put it back together. Like these are the these are the characteristics of genius. And so I don't want to put a label on it that's connotated with all of the things that you cannot do, because my problem with this conversation about autism is that it seems to either be enabling, enabling this fucking narrative of that I need this because I have this, the enabling and the disabling are two sides of the same coin. So enabling the disability or disabling the inability or whatever it is. But I feel like it's either enabling the narrative or disabling the narrative. And what the, the mediating force would be is able, like instead of focusing on what you're, instead of enabling for hate speech and hateful behaviors, oh God, instead of enabling or making somebody feel disabled or making somebody feel enabled, like what if we just looked without any narrative or without any labels of just what what it means to be able like what are you able to do the conflict of enabling and disabling is mediating is mediated by just being able and so like what what are you really good at and how can we focus on that and but my mom was like you have to look up you know all the symptoms of autism and so I did and my son doesn't have any of them except for just really not liking to be told what to do which actually didn't make the list um, but this could just be a, a, a childhood thing but I made it I decided yesterday there were two things I made a decision on and it was that one I I took the kids iPads I got rid of them because I, I don't want my kids to play video games and that's just and that's just that we had educational games on the iPad, but they started to want, you know, they would, we would, they just started to want new games all the time. And we had reached the bottom of the educational games. And I just don't want when my, if my kids are 18 and they decide that they want to play video games nonstop, that's totally fine. But I'm responsible for these first 18 years of their life. And I want them to know the world. I don't want them to know the virtual world. And there's only space for so much in the day. So like, because we didn't have iPads yesterday, the kids wanted to go on a night run and they had so much fun. They got so much energy out as well. They're both manifesting generators and they had such a good, they had such a good time. So I decided that my kids aren't going to have any video games or any social media, unless it's creating videos for YouTube, because there's a barrier there where there's like not, con it's just something where you can output and not input. It's not a, it's not a, a relationship type thing. There's not the options for comments and stuff like that. You can really just, my kids love making videos. So, and we have a little private YouTube just for them so they can see their own videos on the TV. Um, but I decided that it's not going to be any social media and no video games for my kids until they're 18. And then the other decision I made is that I will not permit any labels to be put on my kids until they're 18. So no labels for anything, no, uh, no pronouns, no 
ought to know psychological labels, no human design labels or astrology labels, like most, you know, not, oh, well, you're a Taurus. So this is why you're like that. And he is actually the majority of astrologers I know have a lot of integrity and they just won't do readings on kids that are under 18 because they're still developing. So I could rate, you know, I think, and I think these questions of like, is my kid autistic? These are the things that really cause you to stress out. I'm not putting any labels on a development, on a developing, developing mind. And if I could raise my kid with the label autistic and so many parents do it so easily, I could take that same label and change it to genius and raise them as a genius and get a very different result. So that's what I'm choosing. Every time you talk about my family culture, I get a little sad because my other little brother spends almost all of his time in the video game world. Yo, that's literally my brother and my nephew. They were the only ones in my family that were allowed to play video games. Like my family has a lot of trauma. You know, it's 11 kids born into a cult. My nephew and my younger brother are like the same age, but all of the older siblings are either very smart and driven or very charming very charming. So I would say that like four out of the 11 are brilliant and the rest of them are charming. The problem is, is that, and this is what's super strange is because my nephew and my little brother are only loosely blood related. They're, they're my, my brother's dad and my sister's dad, the mother of my nephew, different dads. So the only thing that they have in common is my mom. Now my mom's had all of these other nine children that you know, have no issues whatsoever. The younger ones that are struggling, they left when they were young. Now, I also left when I was young because I was excommunicated, but most everybody else left between 16 and 18. And we're in the really fucked up years of the cult. So big trauma, big fucked up, but we're either super charming all everybody hardworking, but those that were not brilliant evolved to be super, super charming. And everybody's made a pretty interesting life in the world. Nobody works at a fucking supermarket. Everybody has cool jobs or are self-employed, are doing things that they're relatively passionate about, have cool style, listen to good music, have a good life, are in good health, take care of themselves, are physically active, nobody's overweight, nothing like that. But the two younger ones that were allowed to play video games, and I think that, you know, my parents were forced to leave the cult when it dissolved. And so I think they just wanted the younger ones to like be as normal as possible, but they gave them unrestricted access to the internet and as much video games as they wanted. Of course, you know, starting with lots of boundaries, but, you know, before long, they just couldn't say, say no to these video games anymore. And these two have struggled so much psychologically and to have two minimally related kids the same age going through the same psychological difficulties paranoid schizophrenia all of these other issues in and out of psych wards ect which is electroconvulsive therapy antipsychotics antidepressants every fucking cocktail combination they've had tons of therapy doesn't work tons of meds they're always having issues with one med or another and all they want to do and all that makes them happy is playing video games. And at this point, the lives are so depressing that it's like, okay, well, I guess just let them play more video games. But I feel like if there was 
anything in the real world, anything, one hobby, one physical activity, one thing besides video games that maybe there could be a way to chart progress, but they feel, and this is my big issue with video games, is feeling a sense of satisfaction from an artificial reality and be like, wow, I'm really good at this game. This game isn't the world. Like this game isn't the actual world. This isn't something that you can touch and taste and smell. This is a fake world. And why are we putting so much of our super valuable time and attention into succeeding in a world that doesn't have a correlation to, to the actual world that we live in? I just don't, I, I, I want my kids to be able to reserve all of their energy for succeeding in a shared, in a real reality. And I know that there's people that make money from streaming and gaming and all this stuff, but the amount of people that I know of that are successful and profitable at gaming versus the amount of people I know that play video games is like, it's almost like there's just enough celebrities in that industry to make everybody feeling like all of this video game is going to pay off one day. And yeah, and there's so many people. It's so video games all the time or not at all. There must be a neutral force. Yeah, and I really thought for us that the neutral was going to be education, like just educational games, and that would be fine. The thing is, is that like it just never, it just never stopped. They wanted like a new game every single week, and we were at the bottom of educational games. They hated all the educational games. I know that there has to be a neutral force. And I thought that I was living in that neutral for the last year. The kids have had iPads for one year. So we have like one. And I don't think that video games, you know, like I said, my brother and my nephew grew up in a super fucked up place. You know, there's a chance that they could both have these psychological issues that just manifested within three months of each other. And it's like just a coincidence, like totally possible shared delusions. Um, or they were on the same diet and got the same thing. But I definitely don't think that video games are solely responsible. And in a lot of people, video games are part of their family culture. Like if the parents, neither Magic or I are gamers ever have been. He has a gamer brother and they, he was like, why don't you want to play outside more? You know, this is so weird. But my husband's super physical and I just didn't grow up with it. It's just never been my thing. So it's not in our culture. But if you love them, like there's, of course, you're probably doing that. You know, I think that every parent is doing is doing a good job. It's just not a fit for for our family culture. And my, my kid can play on his iPad for like three or four hours a day. And I don't judge that, but when he's on his iPad for three or four hours a day, he doesn't want to be outside for three or four hours. And I like it when he gets bored and has to innovate new things to do. I really wanted to be in that neutral space. And that's what I tried to do for the last year, but the kids would just ask for new games all the time, all the time, all the time. And until I was like, until we were at the bottom of educational games and they were mad that we couldn't do other ones. So we all go to the arcade together and stuff. They all drop like 300 bucks at the arcade. And I have, a, you know, we make a lot of money. So that's a price that I can pay for it. Like, yeah, for somebody else, it might not be economical to pay, spend 300 bucks at the arcade once a month when, you know, for that much, you could probably buy an Xbox and just do it at home. But I'm willing to pay that price to keep it like out, out of the home and keep my kids busy in other ways, because that's just, I I've tried it the other way, but I know that there's a new, I know that there's a neutral for sure. I just haven't been able to find it. And maybe I'm not able to find it because I didn't, I didn't grow up with it. Yeah. My mom works in the game industry. So my brother and I grew up playing game with my parents. I think that's super healthy. I think that's super wholesome. I think that's awesome. If anybody knows how to profit off of games, it's obviously in your family culture. 
kids need to learn how to be bored. Yeah, I, I believe in boredom. You know, I believe in boredom. Let's make it happen. You guys love it when I talk about parenting. Thanks. You know, there's all just stuff that I'm figuring out here. But that was just that we I, we made that decision yesterday. And, and I stand on it now for our family, you know, just for our family. This fits with our culture. No diagnoses until they're 18. If they want to get it, no body modification until they're 18. No fucking crazy diets. I'm not taking my whole family vegan. You know, if I don't know that that works for them, they're developing bodies and no video games until they're 18. If they want to go play video games at their friend's house, that's totally fine. But I would rather fight with my kid every, you know, three months about why can't you have what your friend has than fight every day about getting off the fucking thing and going outside. Thoughts on people saying Gen Alpha can't read. Gen Alpha can't read boring things. And you know what the truth is? This is something a lot of people don't want to admit. Like I'm teaching my kids how to read right now, but a lot of people don't want to admit that, um, that, you know, reading might, so many, I listen to audiobooks mainly, you know, I read for sure. And I love it, but like, I love listening to audiobooks. I love being able to multitask in that way. I listen to a shit ton of audiobooks. Um, you know, so much of typing and writing is done on the computer now, like people, the times are changing. And it's not that I don't think that, uh, that words aren't really important. And, you know, if I thought that words were unimportant, I wouldn't be teaching my kids how to read. I love, you know, I, I feel like reading gives you so much power in the world. But, you know, just because they're not reading doesn't mean they're not taking in information, you know, so the benefits of reading are not exclusive to words on the page. Like, yes, I think literacy is really important. You know, I think it's important enough to teach it. But, you know, people love to just rag on new generations for not knowing how to, you know, address an envelope. And it's like, yeah, but they can send an email, you know, they can send an email really, you know, yeah, boomer, you can fucking write on an envelope, but you don't know how to call yourself an Uber, you know, like times are times are changing. So, you know, yeah, it might be true that Gen Alpha is not reading books the way that their ancestors did. But Gen Alpha is able to research in a way that their ancestors were not. And Gen Alpha has questioning mind that is not just going to take something on the internet and say, oh, that's true, because they're, they're thinking a bit more critically than that. You know, they're exploring things from multiple angles. So it's not, you know, the, the boomer, people love to judge people that are doing things differently as a way of, you know, soothing their own inferiority and say like consciousness lost, people are losing this or losing that. Like, what if it was all proportionate? No, they're not reading books, but they are taking in information. You know, they are learning way more through YouTube tutorials or through audiobooks or, through scrolling or even through video games, you know, what if it wasn't anything that was, that was lost? What if it was all proportionate? There's no, you know, this is your life. This is your trial and error. This is how you're experimenting with and, and learning things. And, you know, especially if you're educating your own kids, like what's your fam your family culture is unique and important and beautiful and beautiful. If you play video games with your kids, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, if you don't, that's beautiful. If you're pro screen time, if you're anti screen time, if you're a disciplinarian, if you're a gentle parent, like it's beautiful. This is your, this is your culture. And I feel like there's so much, you know, conversation 
rooted in people's resentment of their own parents that are like, if you are doing it the way that your parents did it with you, you are passing on trauma. I feel like there's a lot of baby traumatized baby being thrown out with that traumatized bathwater, you know, like what is, what parts of your childhood did you love? Can you pass that on? What parts of it did you not love? How can you alter that? And that's just the journey that like that, that parenting is Oregon trail. Oh my God. If I could get Oregon trail, Oregon trail or a jet pack. Um, and there was another one that I loved called like road rage. It was like an actual computer game with the arrows actually, but I, I was such a nerd, but I, I actually, my favorite game was, um, was Mavis beacon typing tutor. <laughs> was what I loved. So we didn't, you know, let's just talk about yay for literally five minutes because the same way with our, I was just starting to get trust in Kanye West again. I was just starting to get trust in him and be like, maybe he really did change his ways. Maybe he does really want to, you know, care about everybody. Maybe he is sorry for getting so me versus them, us versus them, you know, this whole fucking thing that he's on about. And then he posts this shit this morning being like, can't take my kids out of the school that they go to with all of their cousins. They have fucking 12 cousins, Kanye West. They have like, yay. They have fucking 12 cousins that are all super tight, super family oriented. That family is like one big fucking four line. And you want them to take them out before he was like, take them out of school, send them to Donda. Did you forget that your school went like it, like immediately imploded? Like the Kanye West experiment, like did not go well, but publicly fucking, first of all, telling everybody where your kids go to school, blah, 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 online. Harassing Kim again, when she's literally doing such a good job, you fucking dragged Kim for letting North be on TikTok with her. Because you're like, oh, blah, 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 you know, shouldn't do this. They're going to be in Playboy next. But then you're allowed to put North in your music videos. Like that's Kim's job influencing. And your job is music. You're doing the exact same fucking thing. And Kim has never once dragged you for fucking your naked wife being there for the fact that your wife is never wearing clothes. You know, she's never once given you a hard time about that. And Kanye West just can't stop fucking dragging her. Like, yo, you saw Black China. You saw Black China. Black China made fucking Rob's life hell when they were getting divorced. Drag, 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 drag. Kim has never dragged you. She's always supported you. It doesn't matter what's going on behind closed doors. You can't stop publicly fucking dragging her. And what else I think is really crazy about you yay and I'm rooting for you for sure I'm like graduate out of the exoteric please oh my god and and I keep thinking that he's like growing and evolving I'm like here he comes with new singles that are like okay you know the Yeezy drop super smart love that maybe he's not going to be such a fucking hater anymore but you know when a projector is bitter but now he's on his fucking hate train again and then he puts up this story that's like I can't believe that all you guys are going to sit here and watch when your favorite black artist is getting raped because I'm getting sued by Adidas for 270 million, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yay. You attacked literally everybody, 
everybody that you've ever known or collaborated with, you fucking flip on them so fast. This piece with Ty Dollar Sign is not going to fucking last. You'll probably shit all over him just like you do with everybody that you collaborate with, whether it's in marriage or in business. You burn the entire fucking thing down with Adidas and cool. You know, we're all like, great, you know, stoked this is happening for you. Of course, they're going to do that. Of course, it's going to do that. But why do you think, why is it that when you're attacking everybody, ev all of the artists, all of the artists, all of the people that you collaborate with, your fucking social media is one gigantic fucking hate train of all of the people that you're mad at, calling people out, regardless, they can be black, they can be white, they can be any ethnicity, you'll fucking drag them talking so much shit. And then when you get hit with a lawsuit for really fucking over Adidas, which you did, you made yourself impossible to work with. And they had fucking millions and millions and millions of dollars of inventory that now they can't move because you created such a mess. Like, of course, they're going to be mad at you for that. And of course, they're going to sue you for that. But don't get all to your fans. Like, why are you guys not standing up for me? What do you want us to do? Go riot? Go riot. I mean, none of us are buying fake Yeezys. None of us are supporting it. It's not selling. It's not moving. But what do you want us to do? Don't tell us we're just sitting here watching our favorite artists get raped. Kanye, you're fucking raping yourself this whole time. We're just here being like, yo, you know, call us when it's over. You know, we want to help. We don't want to fucking piss you off. But I really thought that he was going to, that he was like changing his ways. And now he's just on his fucking hate train again. So I'll be watching the whole time. I just didn't think that the new music was that good. I thought that the, the visuals and everything for it were really exciting. But I listened to the album once and I was like, ah, you know, it's fine. I think that, I think that his genius I think that his genius is so much more about influence and so much less about like, you know, actual the, the quality of the songs and stuff like that. It's the fact that he still has influence and influence is, I think, a lot more powerful than popularity. And I think that, you know, this is really in his human design chart as well. Like all of his gates are really about the collective and really about like trends with the collective and inspiring people to like aim higher and respect themselves more financially. Like this is really like what he's here to do. And I think that the amount of influence that he has and has had for a really long time, I think that that's what's amazing about him. But when it comes to like musical stuff, I don't think he's really all that great. I like Future way more, which I say all the time. As deep as he is on the alt-right paranoia pipeline, he isn't going to jump off anytime soon. No, not at all. He doxed his kid's school. Yeah, he's doxed his kid's school. school. He's doxed his kids school like fucking 500 times and it's like all of the kardashians went to this school it's close to where they're all living all of their friends are there when kanye gets on his fucking fucking shit train he doesn't care about the people like i'm sure that if he asked his kids do you want to stop going to school with your family and your friends and go somewhere that i approve of they'd be like no, you know, so I'm like, what's with this fucking, like, I, I just feel, I just feel like only when it comes to the public facing, I never know what's going on behind closed doors with Kim and Kanye, but she's never dragged him. She's always done her best to stand up for him, always done her best to keep. And when literally 
oh my god my thing is gonna end here when literally kanye is walking around with his naked wife it seems like everything that kanye is doing is trying to disrespect him in some way and i know that that's probably giving him a lot of credit and that maybe he is really happy with his naked girlfriend but like he's a fucking pain in the ass he's a fucking pain in the ass and there's so many people that have done enormous things without being such a huge pain in the ass diddy also it's coming out that he's a real pain in the ass that allegations just don't stop coming he's he's done He's done. But my live is ending here. Therefore, I have to end this. You guys, I had so much fun being on here with you guys. I have some stuff that I got to move around now. I got to put some replays where they belong. But I want to thank you all so much for being here. I love you all so much. Intuitor is moving to a new time slot. So we will be here now on Tuesdays. And I might have to, you know, I might have to cancel a couple of these in the month, but I'll let you guys know on my stories and stuff if I'm going to be doing the Intuitor the day before. I love you guys so much. I had such a good time being here today. Love you. Talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day. Bye.